Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to Knife Talk. (laughs) I'm messing with you. (laughs) Welcome to Knife Talk, the podcast for anybody interested in knives, whether you're a maker, a collector, or just a crazy psycho who's got a bunch of knives in your back room. Welcome to the show. With myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts, and Jeff Fader, Fader Knives. We're here every Monday with a show, so I hope you're all well. How are you guys? Good. Good. I would like to just change Jeff, up our... Speak, Jeff, just speak up a little bit, please. I want to just change the normally... I just want to change and do listener feedback right out of the gate. Because <laughs> okay, let's get it out of the way because this seems to be the topic of conversation and I just want to get it done with. I'm not going to read all the the listener feedback. For if you follow us on, um, you can communicate with us on Instagram. I mean, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. I've been contact us via DM at Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. It's that easy. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Brian, Brian House of Workford Podcast. Thank you. So I, a couple weeks ago, Tom the Hand King made some crack about this, the audio, and the floodgates opened. What happened is, is so what's going on is it has, it ha, there's a, there's a, the consensus is, and I'm not going to read everybody's comments. I got flow charts. I got video. I got video of people listening, you know, to talk, chalk it up to a YouTuber that they have to like also have themselves in the video. So, like, congratulations for keeping it, keeping it normal. We know? have a surprising amount of audio engineers listening to the show. We have Who'd a have thought. Yes. Yeah. Well, Oh, you know what? Ultimately, if that's their biggest complaint, then I'll take it. So, the, and their flow charts and their screenshots, and then there's decibel readings and there's Fibonacci sequences and the whole goddamn nine yards <laughs> in regards to the audio of the show. So, the main complaint is our mix, the three of our mixes, Jeff, Mareko, Craig, is lower in the mix than Red Circle's ads. So, what's happening is. And there's all sorts of discussion whether who's who's quiet or who's not eating the mic or I don't. So what's happening is people are turning up their microphone, turning up the volume, and to hear us. And what's going on is as soon as the red circle ads go on, P.S. They step on good jokes too every so often. Thank you, red circle. <laughs> they blow everybody's doors off, which. I understand. So I'm just bringing that up to you, Craig, and we've talked about it. You've sent me texts in all caps, and I, I, this is a thing we have to work on. <laughs> so listen, listen. So the Red Circle are the service that we use to distribute the, the audio to the various platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and a million others. just got quiet right there, by the way. The, and a they million think, others. He Stop. Because Keith, some of these guys think you're, you're specifically trolling us. <laughs> so last like, week there like was hopping. an issue. 
Last week, I used a different mic because my stuff is in storage. Right. Um, so this week, I've, I've done a four-hour round trip to get my old stuff back in. So I'm back into my normal high-end stuff. That's so we should be sounding good. Um, we, I think we found out what the problem is. I am mixing the show each week through a really nice pair of Bose headphones. And speaking to Jeff, he uses a nice pair of Bose headphones as well. And he said it sounds great. But when he listens in his shop on crappy speakers or maybe on crappy headphones, that's when our dynamic range, that the difference is huge. So what I'm going to be doing in the future is mixing the show on shitty headphones. Just like all you guys have, you're all using your shitty little speakers and headphones. I shall mix for, for, for you. For you. So not only will I do a four-hour round trip, I'll mix on shitty headphones just for you. And now, just, just couldn't to ask interrupt, more, surely. interrupt one more time, Mareko, you are a little bit quiet right now. I've, I haven't so really said much want, yet. You want to eat the mic? No, but when you did, it was quiet. Because here's what happens. Craig will be speaking, and then somebody will get their fat-ass fingers on the, into the DMs. And then they'll say, well, you know, Mareko's real quiet right now. I'm listening to you complain about it, but Mareko's real quiet. I'm just letting you know. We've, I've heard everybody. Eddie Jits, Eddie Jits seems to think that I was fresh with him. Eddie, I wasn't fresh. I'm with you, man. You gotta, you gotta relax. You may have caught us on a bad day because we, we've literally had so many of these messages, and it's right. the point of, oh Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, we're on it. Leave we're it with it. us. We're on All it. Right. So that's it. We're we're dealing with it. We're going to deal with it. We're going to fix the problem. Thank you. There we go. There we go. And I, I may be a little sort of touchy anyway over the last few weeks. It's been a stressful few weeks, so forgive me for that. We're back on it. We're back on it with a with a good show today. Um, Mareko, what's been going on? What's been going on this week? This week has been me getting ready for a class. Uh, I was going to, or I, I was getting ready for a class. I was cleaning up my shop and reorganizing all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, my friend that was going to come to t- take the class, um, he was coming from Reno. And the weather is not the greatest through the passes right now coming through Reno. And so that's, uh, we ended up, uh, canceling that we're going to reschedule for after the start of the year but i was already in it and so i was putting up all kinds of sheetrock and shelving and reorganizing and literally moving like almost all of my equipment around um to do some reorganizing that i've been meaning to do for a long time um everything's pretty much in place um that i just have a few things here and there on the floor that need to be cleared up and stored away or thrown in the garbage or whatever um trying to think what else but that's good, ultimately. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's good because I know that if I were to be like, oh, like the, the day I got the message um, that he wasn't going to be able to make it, if I had just stopped and been like, all right, I'm going to get back to knife making. I don't know if I ever would have got back to finishing reorganizing yeah. the shop. So I was yeah. like, I got to yeah. fucking do this now or it's never going to happen. So i just been focused on cleaning, 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 and uh, it's going pretty good. And... Uh, it feels good too to have things kind of more in uh, kind of a workflow, better workflow situation than I have had for a while. And um, mm. yeah, other than that, I mean, that's literally what the week has been, um, day in day out. Uh, trying to think, what else? Oh, I did a live stream the other day with my uh, my friend Kate uh, of 
sorry, Kate Meyer of Craftmade Aprons. They're the company that I collaborated with in designing and bringing these aprons into the world. And she was, uh, she's the founder of Craftmade, and she, you know, it was because of her that these things actually exist. Um, before the, before her, they were just a silly idea in my head. And um, so we had a nice chat. Um, outside of that, yeah, I'm trying to think. There's not a whole, not a whole lot else. Just. Other than that, we just got the calendars. Oh, shit. Actually, I spent a ridiculous amount of time sending out calendars yesterday. I felt so bad for the postal person because we, or I, showed up with a, like, giant Amazon box full of envelopes, and she went through one by one, sending every single one of those things out. Oh, wait, you didn't pre-do the, 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 the label? No, we don't have any of the, we don't have any of that stuff because we don't, we don't uh, ship yep. in volume like that, like, ever except for the calendars you better bring her donuts man yeah <laughs> at least yeah. Sweet little, little, like a bottle of whiskey sweet something. little korean lady i don't i don't know if she's all over the donut situation but um but she was awesome she was a great sport and she took care of it and she's a badass and i really appreciate her uh and when she printed out the receipt the fucking thing was literally three feet long oh <laughs> it was God. absurd jeez did you have people behind you like oh i'm clicking sure their tongues yeah and well in the post office is like 10 person limit inside the actual like whatever a post office area where you're interacting with uh, the postal people and so mm-hmm. i started like seven people deep outside of the office oh. and so uh so once i got up there and it took like 20 minutes and people were oh just cycling God. by and i was just like yep sorry oh you showed up God. at the wrong people fucking time have, <laughs> people must have been so mad <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, but they a lot of like cl- tongue clicking. Yeah, a lot. T- yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice much tongue clicking. <laughs> I think that's more of an East Coast thing. Um, but they did a good job at the post office. They had all four windows that were available to to be serviced at open, oh, open good. and running. So, fortunately, they weren't running on one or two people. That would have been fucking terrible. I would have. I would have felt so bad. We got. I found this in the f- far away from me post office that is like nobody goes to. I go to them sure. and I like ply them with stuff. Like I make sure that they know they know my name, mm. they know what's going on. But I used to not use a. Sh- uh, I use Ship Station, and it's like I didn't before. Okay. And I come in with twenty boxes, and the tongue clicking and the freaking out and uh, me having to like <laughs> I'm really sorry. It was too much. And now the funny thing is, is I do everything. Hey, like I'm posting here. Like five or six boxes out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, that was loud, by the way. <laughs> you gave it to me there. Um, I was standing. I was standing with five boxes, and this woman and I. They're all ready to go. You hand it to the woman. She scans them, and they're gone. This woman yesterday was clicking her tongue like, and I said to her, like, "Madam, they're they're going to be faster than you are. They're going to be faster than you getting your fucking Christmas stamps. I promise." Yeah. But it's like I hate that shit. I hate that shit. Yeah, we we got a few post offices that we kind of hit up, <laughs> and don't put it all on one. So yeah, we try to distribute the pain um, across yeah. everybody during throughout the uh, the calendar especially the big rush um before the start of the year and kind of in the first month of next year um we send out a lot of uh of the calendars and yeah so we just we try to distribute the pain and try to do it at a time in the day where <laughs> it's not though ideally hopefully there aren't a lot of people piling up behind us but 
You know what? It, just I know, Craig, we're going to get to you in a second. I, one of the interesting things about the shipping now and is last year when I was talking to one of the postal people and they said the biggest issue now is Amazon because, like, Amazon will show up with, like, pallets of stuff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And it's like it has made them, like, it's very, very difficult for them to kind of process the just the Amazon stuff. But now because – I don't know if you see it, Morocco, but where I am, I'm seeing – I mean, Jeff Bezos must have bought a shit ton of UPS trucks, oh, sh- painted them gray with the Amazon <laughs> yeah. Prime stripe on the side, yeah. because now there are Amazon trucks all over the place. It would be interesting to see the difference between last year and this year now that Amazon's kind of like, well, fuck handling, you, UPS. I'll do it myself. Their own shit. Yeah. yeah um, oh, my God. I had a thought, and I just completely lost it. Oh, and, and uh, just another thought, uh, something I learned about postage yesterday for people mailing from the U.S., or I guess anywhere. To Australia. Apparently, Australia is only accepting express shipping. I was going to mail a couple calendars down there. It was going to cost $80 to mail two <laughs> two calendars. So yeah. I think we're going to have to figure out an alternate route for that one. Maybe, uh, maybe UPS or FedEx. But just a heads up, people. If you're sending stuff to Australia, it's probably going to cost a little extra. Mm-hmm. What's the bet that Amazon are going to start doing a postal service? It means they've got the network now. Right. It makes sense for them. I mean, they're taking over everything else. Right. It do makes you, sense. Do you see trucks, Craig, in, in France? You uh, Amazon trucks? Yeah, Amazon are everything. Yeah, every, they do everything here. So, yeah. it's um, You can see them offering that as a service now, and I'd be I'd be all over that because they'd pick up from the house because they're, you know, <laughs> they'd always see her anyway um that would be perfect that'd be perfect i'm looking forward to when contractors have the plans for drone pads like mm-hmm. there's going to be like a whole drone pad service that is going to be able to like you know you're going to be able to get your amazon drone shit or even your like your pizza delivery dropped off on a you know landing strip you can't have you can't have a house without a you know, pad landing pad. Mm. Mm, I got you. Yeah. Have you seen? I've seen these new like security boxes that people are building into their house, like at their front door for packages yeah. to be. Yeah, off Amazon lockers. Okay. Yeah, that's big in like apartment complexes that have the space, so you can like you make sure that your shit doesn't get stolen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Craig. How Shipping are you? news. Shipping news. Um, all all good. Um, it's been a whirlwind of a three three four weeks. Um, but things are finally coming to um to calm a bit. So we've had um builders over from the UK this week. Um, simply because they're faster and so much cheaper. You know, just to get them over here, get them the work and ship them back home. Um, and they've done an amazing job. So our house, uh, our new house, is now. Um, fully plastered out. The electrics are in. All the new plumbing is in. Um, we're now on to finishing. Um, so we're, we we're ahead of the ahead of schedule, which is really nice. But um, it's just been we've had like at one point again we had nine ten contractors working on the house um, and all working on the ground floor. So you, can you imagine like the ego between ten? blokes all looking at each other's work shaking their head and you know kissing their teeth and uh, it's just hard work dealing with everybody's ego um but um everybody pulled together and did a really really good job so yeah we're, we're really happy everybody's gone home um and we've got um a week now of no contractors on site so we can relax a bit now and um get on with other stuff and how's your health so good um 
Much better. Yeah, it's got it's got slowly better all week. Um, I'm just taking a bunch of bunch of tablets for all different kinds of stuff, but um, I'm good. I, I can't complain. I'm feeling better today than I have in probably a month, so it's all good. All good. Uh, what about you, Jeff? Busy week. It was. I would give this week on a scale of one to annoying. I'd give it a eight. Uh, in terms of annoying, I, I'd, I'd say that uh, this week was not opt was suboptimal, as they say in on the Ooh. full blast podcast. <laughs> suboptimal. I um, my water heater broke on my birthday, and oh. I had to uh, I had to get a plumber. And now New York State, thank you, New York State, they've changed their rules, so you can't just get a plumber to put a hot water heater in. They have to pull permits, and then you oh have to have God. an electrician. You have to have an electrician hook it up. So now I have to get the electrician. So I had to, in you know, freezing. It's cold. We had to. I had to work miracles to get this water heater put in. And then, thank God, I have an electrician that I really like. He's a good guy. He's a friend. And he came in, and he the hot water heater guys put the hot water heater in. And then the electrician came in. Don't worry, I'm on, I'm on my way. He put it right in, and we're. You know, we're, electricians are never really your friend. They're, they're the whole buddy thing to get the job, but when it comes down to it, they're not your friend. Here's what I'm gonna. Here's why I'm gonna say you're wrong. Is because he has bought more knives for his wife from me than I have spent electrical on him. Okay, okay, and that he, works. Wow. He when I ask him for something, I mean, he redid my. He redid. He's done a ton of. He saved my ass. And then you know, I said, let me give you something, and he's just like, no, 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 it's all good. I'm like, look, you're making me look good in front of my fucking wife. Make <laughs> I got it. You got to take something. So we took care of that, and then um, we're we're recording on Saturday morning because I had a uh, my mother had a medical issue, which she's fine, but I had to drop everything and kind of take care of her, and that was like you know stressful. But for now. Now everything's okay, and I appreciate you guys kind of changing your schedule. I know, Mareka, you're up at like 4 o'clock in the morning to get here, and I appreciate that. And then um, last but not least, I, uh, I, I, talk, I talked a number of months ago that uh, I've been getting all my uh, medical things taken care of, and one of the things was I went to get the eye doctor. And I guess, you know, I've been going every three months, and they've been testing me for – they thought that I have the beginning stages of glaucoma. And then um, – I kept going back, and then they said, the last time I went, that you're clear, you don't have glaucoma. So I thought, well, then why am I going to this one? So I went this week, and I talked to the doctor, and he says, he says, look, you don't have glaucoma, but you're going, we see the beginning stages of glaucoma. So we are now in fucking take care of this shit now. And, and the thing about glaucoma is, I mean, you, I guess if you don't, what he told me, he says, look, you're going to have a full, you can, at, at this stage, this is the time to find it. Like, I don't have it now, but I'm the, I'm about to, I'm going to have it within the next, you know, whatever. It could be, you know, he's testing me every three months. And he, they can fix the things that aren't gone. But once they're gone, they're gone. So, like, peripheral vision and all that stuff. So, we're doing, you know, it was a lot of, like, fuck, I lost all this weight. I'm doing all this shit. I got my fucking fingers <laughs> up my ass, tubes up my ass. The dick looks good. I can finally look down and see penis first when I'm looking at my toes. Like, I fucking feel good, and all of a sudden now I have this, well, my mother has glaucoma, so I have this degenerative, you know, eye thing, which I'm going to deal with. So that's, Is there anything you can do preventatively for it? To, you can go to your the eye old, doctor. The coming of it. So from what I understand, and I'm obviously not a doctor, and I'm just, you know, I keep it, you know, very, like, 
relaxed. So I guess it has to do with the pressure in your optic nerve. So what they'll do is, is they have these different machines and then they'll test my vision and they'll do x-rays through the eye. And it's not like cataracts where you just remove the cataract. Basically what it is is like it's a degenerative condition in your optic nerve due to the pressure. And fucking all you audio engineers who now are also, you know, physicians, don't, you don't have to fucking, I don't need any like, you know, I don't need any, I'm fine. So I like my doctor. He's been very conservative with me. So what will happen is, is it'll be once I get to the stage where the pressure drops in my eye to a certain degree, I will have medicated drops that will kind of improve the pressure in my optic nerve or right, my okay. eye or something like that. Okay. So that's it. I mean, it's your birthday. It's been your birthday this week. Right. And you're getting on a bit. You've had a good run. You had a good run of it. Dude, You've got to expect these things at your age. I mean, it is obnoxious. You know, I was prepared <laughs> for you guys to break my balls and say, oh, you're 70 years. So I get some assholes in my fucking DMs wishing me a happy 70th birthday and all that shit. I, this is the healthiest I've ever been. And, and like, when my kid goes off to college, we, my wife and I are going to be ready to really train to do well in the New York City Marathon. So I, this is the best I've ever felt, like I said. Look down, penis first, for the toes, no gut, feeling that's like high level. That's really how you should, you know, look at your weight. If you can see penis first and the fucker looks bigger and bigger every so often because the gut's out of hey, the way. I've got a 62 a inch victory. waist and I can still see the penis. I'm good. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Penis. If you have a long penis, it's fine. But I mean, you're also, you know, you're cheating the system. The system. It isn't how much your waist is, it's how much penis you can see before you see your toes so the penis is good everything's fine and then you know we're gonna deal with this so meanwhile i'm like painting up a storm i'm now i'm having a i'm having paintings on all the tables and i'm just like i'm just gonna paint as much as i can before like all of a sudden i can't fucking see shit so but other than that everything's good oh this reminds me you know what we were watching something in terms of painting i'm talking about creativity and stuff I took your advice and I watched the Beatles. Well, the first oh. two episodes of the Beatles documentary get back on Disney Plus. It's all consuming for me. That's all I'm talking about to my friends. All the texts back and forth, a million a day. It's it's everything to me. I love it. I'm I'm on my second viewing of them all now, and oh, wow. it's 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 beautiful. It's a it beautiful is. Thing. It's fascinating because it isn't your typical documentary. And I think yeah. that there are two different variations of people's opinions on it because it isn't, you know, it isn't a documentary. Basically, it's all footage of them practicing, preparing for this concert. It's yeah. it's, it's, that- it's fly on the wall. You're just there with the Beatles. There's no voiceover like a documentary would be. And they're not even cutting from scene to scene because they're just in a room. So you're just in the room with the Beatles while they, they have, what's it, 11? Or twelve days to make an album. It's incredible. It's, it is the the part of it that it's the most interesting, and I think you can kind of bring this to makers in general. Is you're seeing? We all know the songs. You're seeing the 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 beginnings of this creativity and working through creativity with other people, which has got to be hard, hmm. in front of a ton of people with the pressure of we have a certain amount of time to get this thing done. I found it to be extraordinary because you. the funny thing is you can watch somebody paint and you're just like, you never know what's going to happen. But if you already know the painting and you're watching someone struggle through it to, to and you know what the outcome is going to be, mm-hmm. it makes it 
an extraordinary experience to the point where I'm ready for Peter Jackson in a year to say it was all CGI. We all made it up. <laughs> There's just no way that they, you could, you know, you're listening to these songs. You're like, that's not how Get Back was supposed to be. Get Back was supposed to be a song about like, you know, whatever, but it's, it far, started out as like, go back to just your immigrants. country. Yeah. Get, get immigrants back to back home. Yeah. And yeah. Crazy. Crazy. It's, I mean, to me, I'm a, I'm a Beatles fan anyway. Um, but as you say, just seeing them coming up with these like seeds of ideas, and and yet how they struggle to get to the end result, which we all know is, is fascinating. But to me, the real fascinating thing is the relationship between them and their sort of egos. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 if you haven't seen it, it's 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 a definite watch for it, even if you're not a fan. It's a definite watch. It's. it's I wonder it's if there wasn't cameras. So, so the interesting part about it all is, it's so chaotic, because if you think about, it, you're you're a solo maker in your shop, you're the only one creating. If no one's watching, you're doing all the work. You got four guys, three of them are like, you know strong-minded in terms of what they want to the point where George Harrison wants to fucking go every five minutes. I mean, George Harrison's like, I fucking had it with you too. I want to fucking, you know, sing fucking to the Dalai Lama or something like that. What's interesting is, is I wonder because, you know, creativity is, is, is something that you should struggle with. I think there's a lot of people who don't understand that executing creativity should be an internal struggle. And, you know, finding something that you like, and a little kernel, and then focusing on that and then developing from there. I wonder, Unless you're McCartney and you come in each day with eight masterpieces every day. It, he was, he really, what you were 100% right. He was the powerhouse behind that whole thing. Yeah. I wonder if there wasn't cameras and there wasn't, a pile of people behind the scenes frantic because obviously their paychecks on the line too. Mm. I wonder if they would have behaved the same way. They make a reference a few, a few times, don't they, about the cameras and about how they, you know, a few times they turn up their amps loud and they go to talk by the amps. So, you know, you can't hear them and you hear somebody say, can you move away? We can't quite hear your dialogue. And they, they, they joke about it. Uh, but, but I've seen an interview with Peter Jackson and right. um, loads of that happened. They, they were really, you know, conscious of the cameras being around. Um, but they have like, used this technology so they could isolate just the vocals. And, you know, so if you're in the room, you wouldn't be able to hear what they were saying. But the, the, the technology that they've used, which is all, like, new stuff, you know, digitally enhancing stuff, they've managed to pull, pull you know, the, the whispers and stuff out so they sound louder for us. Maybe we could get Peter Jackson to do our show for us. Maybe that would work. That would keep <laughs> the audio yeah, engineers yeah. happy. Seriously. But, um, but yeah, they, they were very much aware of it and being careful what they, what they talked about, yeah. Have you seen it, Marekka? I haven't seen it yet, unfortunately. You've got to see it. It's definitely worth it. I, but I am a fan, so I would love to see it. But, yeah, I just haven't made the time. The, the, it's also one of those shows that you can kind of have on. Like, there's a lot of – I understand what – there's some people say, ah, oh, it's too long. I didn't want – I couldn't – you can't – there are moments you just have to kind of – you have to immerse yourself with. Like, yeah. we were watching it while listening. My kid is becoming, like, very proficient with the bass, and her musical interests are very – and I'm trying to let her watch and say, this is – this is struggling and the pressure of creativity on a glo- on a massive scale, and they are like, this is how you workshop ideas. This is how, and so it's like for us, it's it's like, it's really important because it's like, I think that for knife makers, there's, um, I don't necessarily think 
number one is you know for from day one i've always said knives knife making is an art and a lot of it's because a lot of these guys are fucking around a lot of these guys are just like trying to like you know put on a you know tuxedo t-shirt and think they're gonna go to a fucking party you know it's like they think that it's what it is i feel as though for creativity i'm not a hundred percent sure it's about creativity but it's about executing creativity and i feel like there's a lot of people out there who are having a hard time executing creativity and embracing the struggle of creating something that they like or it's theirs does that make mm. sense yeah yeah and i put myself in that category too yeah yeah i i think going back to the beatles there, i think there's a massive parallel between my knife making and the beatles Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Eyes rolling. Not only is the, the audio engineers rolling, they're fucking glaucoma guys only. <laughs> Hear me out. Too. What I mean by that is, if there's any anvil work to be done, oh, yeah. bring somebody else in to do it. That's all I'm saying. There, there is an anvil. An anvil plays a minor part in in the show. So if you if you yeah, that's for I forgot about that. Yeah. So that's, that, cool. that, that's my parallel with the Beatles and knife making. Any an, an anvil hitting bringing somebody else to do it that's all you need to speaking know. of which the guy who magic mike or who's the guy who like writes <laughs> the man, down all the <laughs> magic no magic mike is the guy who was um they, they paid a fortune to set up the studio for him and he's this like crazy inventor dude and he just ripped them off for loads of money basically oh well there's <laughs> magic <this> du- mike <laughs> the, there's, a, there's this dude who's no like, magic magic alex so magic, magic alex magic alex Ma- magic that's a- it, yeah. mike is the guy with the penis i think i think that i think magic mike's the guy with it with the yeah with a big who can penis. see his fucking penis yeah. with no problem um <laughs> uh, I, you know what because because one of the things that i get a lot of is with you know with my night with with the work that i'm doing i get messages saying i'm gonna steal this it might be a color combination or whatever and i think mm. that there's and in, in, in the beginning it's like i write no surprise because you fucking knife makers and podcasters are fucking thieves. And the rest of you probably are thieves too. I'm fascinated by the idea of where where do we feel is our own voice? How do we create our own voice in a creative business mm. without focusing on, well, he's doing this, so I'm going to do it. You know, it's actually to the point where it's backed me off from doing a lot of different things. Like, there's a lot of things I wanted to do, but now I'm just, like, kind of turned off by it. Hmm. I think that, I mean, we always talk about there's only so many things you can do with something, you know, short, stabby, and pointy. They're all going to look roughly the same. Um, but, but I think a, a lot of it is people just putting pressure on themselves to find their own style. You know, right. th- th- there's a style that works. We all know there's a style that works. And... Um, some people try very hard to sort of differ from that, which then may take away from the effectiveness of that. Um, but I think, I mean, me personally, I've taken a huge step away from sort of social media and that kind of thing because it was just a huge time suck. Um, and then if you're not seeing everybody else's work, um, I think anything that you do, you're going to be quite confident in that that is what you need to be doing, what you want to be doing, not necessarily that you're copying somebody else's. But the inevitable will happen is that you will see somebody else's work, which is very similar to yours. But that's only because, as I say, you're limited to, to what you can do. You know, there's a certain scope with a knife. After that, it, it becomes uncomfortable and becomes, you know, unwieldy. It, it, it won't work. So... <laughs> You know, there are some people with a certain style. You look at that knife and go, "That is, that is X Y Z. That's their style," and you know, it's obviously their knife. 
Um, but, you know, for 99.9% of us, that's not the case. And they're all going right. to look very similar. And, if you know, if we start using multiple colors, they'll inevitably be, be the, you know, that looks like Jeff's knife. And it's, hey, you know, you know, Jeff doesn't own color. But, you know, it. but there are, you know, you, I should. you're not... <laughs> yeah, maybe you should. should. Um, you know, people aren't treading on your style as such, but you know, where else can you go? You know, the, 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 there's so many sort of limitations that uh, you, you're going to fall into into the into the path of somebody else's work. I disagree. I disagree. Really? But I, I disagree. But I want to I want to talk to Mareko about this because yeah. you know when it comes to what you're doing, your pattern development of Damascus. Sure. And your ability to create things that you haven't seen before. And obviously there are things that, you know, you want to do that you don't talk about. When you're thinking about your creativity and the fact that you're, you, one of your big, one of your big, nice, generous things that you do is, is you're teaching people how to do it, which I wouldn't do. I mean, these motherfuckers are just going to be like, you know, all of a sudden they're, you know, they're, you know, like Jeremy, they're Jeremy Fire Arts in five minutes. It's like, you know, you just, the shit is fucking, you know, thick. How do you deal with creativity and how do you see yourself being a creative person and executing it to find your own voice? I mean, I've really tried to nail down on what I... I feel like I do exceptionally well and focus on that. You know, there are a lot of great makers out there making forged integral bolster chef's knives nowadays. Um, I do see a lot of things that um, I'm pretty sure I was one of the first, if not the first to do regarding like handle style and bolster, angled bolsters and stuff like that. And I see it replicated out in the world, but and sometimes it's annoying, but at the same time, I try to not be annoyed by that just because I, I'm trying to – one of the things I preach to a lot of people is the fact that there are so many people in the world who want to buy knives that there's no way I myself personally could satiate, satiate that demand. And so by not getting twisted up about that shit and just focusing on my own stuff – that that helps me kind of get over the oh that guy ripped me off or copied my style or whatever blah 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 if if you're if that's all you got in your wheelhouse then maybe you're not actually as good as you think you are and of course and so but when it comes to the damascus patterns um i actually kind of forgot your question <laughs> I started going well it's fine of but of course i appreciate what you're saying there but if you bring it back to what the beatles uh, the beatles documentary there was not one moment of frustration where one of them said let's see what uh let's see what eric clapton's doing and just do what he's doing you know okay. i think that regardless in regards to in regards to being, that, that was exactly that moment when no, they said, Let's that. no no they didn't say no that what they what i mean unless it's in the third episode what they said was was in fucking george fucked away off to wherever they were like maybe we should get eric clapton to fill in for him that was fascinating too eric clapton's too busy fucking george's wife but george did, did say at one point he said we should be doing stuff more like this and he says you know clapton does these amazing solos we should should be doing stuff like this but hmm. um yeah clapton was fucking his wife so yeah <laughs> <laughs> he had a point to make 
<laughs> she got me on my knees. Yeah, true, she did. Well, but it is interesting, especially considering it, there is this, in, especially when you watch the Beatles thing, What the moment they have Billy Preston come in, who, you know, John's just like, yo, we need a fifth Beatle, and Billy Preston's the fucking man. Yeah. You could tell that they were trying to look at the, the stuff that uh, Stevie Wonder was doing and the stuff that Billy Preston was doing, and they, they was like this influx of this new feeling of blood but that at the same time they went back to what they were known for right. you know and I, and I just feel like I felt that I felt the roots of creativity being your own voice without where you're showing receipts and you're able to uh, compartmentalize your creativity without just saying, all right, I'm just going to fucking, you know, just do whatever the fuck he's doing. Sure. I, I fucking hate that shit. I, I'm starting to, to remember kind of what I was trying to get out to about Bring the it. other part uh, regarding you were saying something to the effect of me teaching other people how to create some of the patterns that I create. And I I feel like I've said this maybe before, but I kind of do it from a selfish standpoint where I know that I don't know everything. And I think I, I try to maintain that humility by putting that out there, putting this information out there about how I approach pattern development to see how other people take that and run with it so that then I can turn around and then be re- so. I, whatever I'm doing is inspiring them to do whatever they're doing. And then I see what other people are doing and then I'm re-inspired to try something else. Um, and it's, it's like this upward spiral, I guess. I would like to make one interesting thing that I was thinking about this whole week. The idea of being inspired. Inspiration and influence are two different things. Sure. When we say I'm inspired by this guy's work and you're doing his work... It's not inspired. It. It's influenced. <laughs> yeah. If you go to a museum and you look at a beautiful painting and that makes you feel creative to do what you're doing back at your shop, mm. that's inspired. Okay. But when you're looking, and this is just, just I'm just thinking about it when we walk in the dogs, people say I'm inspired, but you should be inspiration should be the the uh, the spark of creativity and in and excitement to be creative influence is you're influenced by this maker you're influenced by this maker you're influenced by this maker and that's the difference a lot of times you i see things oh, this is inspired by this guy's thing and this is inspired by this guy's thing and it gets annoying this is the reason why and i know that i'm in, and i'm in a bad mood but that, that's just the way it is today <laughs> and we can go into dilemmas we can go into all that right we really shit but i felt like we'd have a nice conversation i had to do the color lab stuff that i'm doing now because i was tired of getting ripped off sure and that comes from a real fucking thing to the point where tony when i have a meeting with tony tony's just like they're not gonna rip us off from this one they're not going to fucking rip this one off. And it becomes, because I see it with um, styles. I see it with styles. I see it with terminology. Mm -hmm. I see it when uh, people are making offset serrated knives and they think that they're bread knives. If you're making an offset serrated knife and you think that that's a bread knife, you don't know what an offset serrated knife is supposed to be. It's not for bread. It's for sandwiches. It's for a utility knife. It's for in the kitchen for when you don't have to want to sharpen your knife and you're just like whipping shit out. So you're seeing people use terminology that they've heard and they think that they know. And they're executing it in a way that is irritating, to be honest with you. I find it to be irritating. But do you think you're always going to be chasing your tail? Like you say, your your Color Lab stuff, it, it, it's, you've done it to prevent it being copied. But p 
people will. People fine. have. But then I, and people will. But then you'll need something else again. That's fine. You know? That's fine. And, and I, I'm, I've said that for years. That if I'm... St- if I'm you know, here's a good example is Aaron Goff. Aaron Goff is a perfect example of this. He, when he started the, the Resolute Mark, whatever it was in the beginning, that's all he was doing. And people were ripping him probably, off. Probably just and the Resolute no training. <laughs> You're breaking up every so often. I didn't know what you said. Craig. Sorry, sorry, go on. I, it was just a silly, flippant comment. I was just going to say, I, you, you sometimes you, you're coming in and out, but you know, that's the way it is. I think that with Aaron, it was like, you know, there were so many people who were making his knife. And he didn't know. I mean, that was it. He was just focusing on the, the, you know, the process and focusing on this and that and the other thing. For me, it's like I've discontinued certain knives because they've been ripped off so much. Like, I'm happy. I'm happy that I I was just like, fuck it. I'm not doing it anymore. Do something else. So it's not chasing my tail. It's I constantly have to be one step ahead of myself, which is fine. It's the way it is. I find it to be irritating. You know, in the woodworking community, people don't like river tables. River tables are there's two pieces of live wood, and then they pour some fucking (laughs) epoxy in between them, and everyone's tired of it. And then the dude who created river tables is trying to patent it and it's because he's tired of being ripped off i don't blame him mm. there you go. There you go. yeah Man, i think anything <laughs> <laughs> podcasts, <laughs> podcasts i think anything that you need. anything you put out there that's create you know you put your creativity into and anything you put out there it's out there it's gonna be. It's gonna be copied. It's gonna be, you know, inspire others. It's gonna do all these things. And I just think you just got to move on. There's not, you know, there's no point in worrying over it. And I know, you know, you can you can patent things and copyright things, but it doesn't stop people doing it. True. You know, no, it's just a lot. But of... it's, but it's if here, here but, but what it is doing is is it's taking your hard work. You know, you watch the Beatles, they're fucking mulling shit over for hours and hours and hours. And and then you're just like, I'm just going to sound like them. You know, or like mm-hmm. the, all those bands that came up after Nirvana. You know, there were a pile of bands that came up after Nirvana were like total ripoffs, yeah. like complete ripoffs. And it's like they struggled to find this creativity. And instead of you working hard to find your voice, you said, fuck it, I'll take his voice. You know, he did all the mm-hmm. hard work. I'm going to take his. I don't know. I don't like yep. it. I don't like it, but you know, what I'm saying is, what are you going to do about it? You know, there's, there's not much you can do, so you, you're better off just letting it go. And that energy that you're focusing to getting, getting angry and mad, put it, you know, into something else, you know? Well, this is also, this is also a content podcast, and we have to, we have to, <laughs> you know, we have to keep them listening. They're bitching about the audio, but they're not bitching about the content, right? <laughs> quite true, quite true. And as this is a podcast, we are sponsored, you know. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat. The manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. And you can get yourself an even heat by going to knifetalk.net forward slash heat. And then you can get $75 off and free shipping in the U.S. Because that will take you to Soul Ceramics, who are a distributor of even heats. Spec out the machine that you want. They'll get it shipped to you and you'll get those discounts automatically applied at uh, at checkout. So knifetalk.net forward slash heat and the link is in the description too. So shall we do... Tough to learn. Hey man, 
Can I ask you a question? <laughs> I want to keep the energy. I want to fucking keep the energy. I want to keep the energy because I got the I got some good tough dilemmas. I like how I Come on. Slept it, <laughs> slipped it in there. Let's so, do a dilemma. Come on. Okay, let's, let's guys. Do it. This is we, if you pot, if you set us in the in the DMs in the Knife Talk podcast on Instagram. If you don't, you know, number two is if you're gonna send us DMs. You know, complaining. It would be nice if you wrote a nice review on where you're listening because that would be nice too. So, tough dilemmas answered phony or honestly. Uh, you can send us these dilemmas and we'll we'll talk about them and we'll decide. You know, whatever. So this one is an anonymous dilemma, which is, I always like the anonymous ones because people are afraid that their friends and family are going to listen and they're not. So fine. Uh, here's an anonymous dilemma. This is a real situation. One of your parents was an extraordinary painter. All of their work is high-end gallery quality. Their portfolio is very diverse from impressionism and surrealism in oils to watercolors, folk art, and beyond. Their dying wish is for you, their only surviving heir, to keep all their artwork, but the only medium that spe- uh, but only one of the mediums speak to you. Do you display the entire collection or store, donate, and sell the pieces that you don't like or want? Does that make sense, guys? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, was sell an option then? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, you fucking <laughs> fucking wanker. <laughs> you fucking thief. Yeah, it's, you, you don't care. Um, no, I think you d- you display them for a bit, didn't you? You display them for a bit, and then... Um, that's a, like a, such an open-ended question, because you don't know, you know what situation you're in. You don't know if these are going to be well-received... So I think, yeah, you display them for a bit, see how well they're received, um, and go from there. But I think, you know, if you're not feeling them yourself, they're probably better off going to a collector who would feel it, and you could feel that old bulge in the wallet instead. That's uh, that's, my, that's my feeling. Yeah, when you look straight down, you want to see the bulge in your wallet, not your penis. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what would you do, Mareko? Uh I think I missed it. Is this a well-known painter, or they're just very good, at, but it's like your Aunt Sally. Extraordinary painter. Extraordinary painter. So my Aunt Sally is an extraordinary painter, but she's not well-known. What do you do with all the work when only a little bit of appeals to you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the and you're the only heir, and you got yep. okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know what what the hell would you do with all of that if it's stuff that doesn't appeal to you. You don't want to hang in your house. Yeah, I think you would. I, I think if the work is that good and it's that influential or inspiring, which I like your definitions you posed earlier, Jeff. Um, I think it's better for if you're not going to put it up in your house. I, th- I think it's better for it to be out in the world and to be seen. Uh, or be in somebody's house or home where it will inspire them. Or it's taking the money. Yeah. So you're going. Yes. You're going I think you sell. So you two are, you two are going against Aunt Sally's wishes. Yeah, I mean, I think right. it would be it'd be doing a disservice to the, what what good is the work wrapped up and stored away? Honestly. Yeah, and let's not get too sentimental. Aunt Sally's gone. She's gone. She's not coming God back. So toes up. Yeah. Toes up. Bought yeah. the farm. <laughs> so you know this for a second here i thought maybe this person knew me because you know i don't really talk about my dad but my dad was an extraordinary painter like he and i would talk about art for when i was younger a lot and i have a really and to the point where 
in regards to his work he did oil paintings watercolorist he was one of the, he was one of the most talented painters i've ever met and i and i know i have a lot of friends who are painters to the point where when he died i had to do like an art you know conversation in regards to his work and i had a very good i had a very unique understanding about his work but also as the person that he was and i could under, i could express i could talk about his work in a very clinical way or a very professional way and, and you know like if i wanted to direct a show with his work i could do like a fucking awesome thesis on his development as a painter yeah everything's not every none of it went to me none of it went to me everything went to his wife like we have nothing we have none of it and and she doesn't understand it she doesn't appreciate it she doesn't understand art she doesn't understand basic humanity she doesn't, wow. ba- she doesn't you know there's a, there's a there's you know so if i were to receive all of his work which i but you appreciate it though that's that's where this question i differs. would appreciate i would appreciate a lot of it most of it would most of it wouldn't hang in our house However, I could definitely, I could easily, and my sister's another, my, my sister's a curator. I could easily do um, a show about his work. I would have a hard time, even though he and I had our issues, I would have a hard time selling any of it. Like, I would have a hard time selling any of it. Um, I would have a hard time selling it. If it was okay. this person was close to me, like yeah, fucking you know two two ants twice removed, that fucking Aunt Sally. I don't give a shit about Aunt Sally, but it's like we're talking about my dad's work. When or if I ever get his work, I would have a very hard time selling it, and it would be a big problem in my family. Big problem. Okay. What's going on with that okay. artwork? All I can imagine right now is that it's sitting rotting somewhere, and it's not being no, very well taken I mean, care of. I, I, in, in regard, you mean the, the dilemma, or in, your, in regards actual, to my dad? Your dad's actual artwork. It's, it's. I have no access. There is. I have uh, essentially been. I'm not talking too much about it. I mean, I've essentially been. My sisters and I have essentially been banned from the estate. We have no real. You know, he left everything to his wife and his wife hated us and it's just the way it is and i you know i've accepted it and i'm better off for i'm better off for it and i tried to do the right thing all these years and i still try to do the right thing all these years and the right thing is to leave her alone and that's what i did so um in regards to being rotting i have no idea it's going to be what it's going to be and i just you know very you know I'm pretty zen about it. I can only, I can only deal with the things that are in my immediate orbit. Everything sure. else is like, what's, it's just wasting time. It's wasting energy. Okay. So, but um, in regards to this, this particular dilemma, I had to think about it a lot because I don't know. I mean, it depends how close I am to the person. And there are some things that my dad, you know, the interesting thing about my dad's work is he was really, really, really good as a landscape artist in cities like his cityscapes were incredible like incredible like in paris and in, he was studied in paris mm. and he in greece and his his city landscapes were amazing but he couldn't draw people like his people would be like a stick figure with some fucking balloons <laughs> and it was like embarrassing and actually when he died and i was the person talking about his work I was like, it just shows you how he doesn't understand people. Like, it's very clear that people are not his his prime prime interest. So, it yeah. became very interesting to me. And like I said, once again, like if well, I had... this has turned into a full blast, Jeff. Jeff's full blast. I know episode. what I'm doing, ladies and germs. I fucking know what I'm doing. We can go back into dilemmas, but it's interesting. I find it all to be very fascinating. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I don't. I'm not selling it. I'm not selling it. even some of the shit that I don't like. Like I wouldn't. I just have to. I'd have a hard time getting rid of it. Well, and who knows? Your daughter okay. might like that, some of the stuff you don't like. Ash. Um, I would leave it for her and make her and give her the sure. ability. I would. That's what I would do. Is I would say, look, there's no stipulations on the situation. Do with it as you please. And if you're gonna get rid of them, make a couple bucks. That would be about it. I'm, I'm like, you know, that would be what yeah. I would say. Lila's got a new MacBook. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. Here, done that one of them way. Uh, no, you did Even Heat. You'd yeah, com- you'd do combat. Did it again. You did okay, okay. Which one was that then? That was, that even, was heat. even Heat. <laughs> We did even heat before. You guys did so, two d- even heat ads at full volume. Here it comes. Oh my god. <laughs> Bear with us, guys. Jesus. Combat abrasives makes the. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah. There we go. Combat abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. <laughs> Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get fifteen percent off with promo code Knife Talk fifteen. Do it now. All right. That's the one. Combatabrasives.com. Knife talk 15 for 15% off. Wowzers. It's a good deal. Do we have another dilemma then, Jeff? We do have another dilemma. This one is similar to one we had a couple months ago, but it's not. It's it's still applicable. Um, JT Knives. All right, guys, here's a real-life dilemma for you. My brother and I have been making knives together for six years. It's gotten to the point where everything we make gets sold pretty quickly. Last year, we went to a high-profile event in our area, and we nearly sold out. Uh, we go to monthly festivals, but this one was a full weekend event. It was awesome. However, we've been playing catch up with our, inv- our our event inventory ever since. And due to work, college, and custom orders, we have uh, not been able to establish a solid show inventory in nearly a year. Do we close our books and work to create an uh, event inventory for this a big event coming up, or do we keep selling knives along and along? Uh, along, along, and along. I uh, love the show. Keep it up. JT Knives got a dilemma. Okay, that's not a dilemma in my in my book. Um, <laughs> you're doing well. You're selling all your knives. I mean, w- what's the what's the purpose of a knife show? Is it so you can show your knives to other makers, that kind of thing, or is it to sell knives? Because if it, it is the case of to sell knives, you don't need it. You're selling knives. You know why put that extra pressure on yourself? Just yeah. carry on doing what you're doing. It's it's clearly working. Uh, but it, I suppose it depends what your motivation is for, for showing your knives to, uh, at shows. But um, if it is purely just to get sales, you seem to be doing fine without that. Now, here's the, here's the issue. Here's the issue. And this is, the, once again, we're looking at creative people in hobbies versus creative people professionally. If you have a product and you sell out, it doesn't mean it's over. Like, you have to be thinking ahead. And you do have to think, all right, yeah, it's awesome. We sold out. But, I mean, if you sold out and you got nothing in the tank for the future, then it's not a – it's I mean, you have to think forward in regards to what your next step is, you know, to be – to capitalize on maybe your success or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Mareka, what do you do? I mean, I, the way I heard this is that – they are getting all of their sales from doing their show. And it sounds like they are getting some customs, but um, 
It sounds like the reason they're going to shows is because that's where most of their sales happen and maybe not necessarily through the internet. So if you're struggling to get an inventory available for the shows that you're attending, then yeah, maybe, maybe you do take less customs, but at the same time, if you're, I mean, if you're still make, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I revert back to what kind of Craig was saying. If you're, if you're making enough through customs and you're happy with that model, then, then I guess you don't really have a lot to complain about or not necessarily complain about, but to be too concerned about, um, unless, yeah, I don't know. That's a tricky one. I, it, unless you, I knew exactly who these people were and, and got more specific. Like it, it's hard to, to really hammer out, I, I guess, an answer from, from my perspective. You, you got to cut something loose Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have to figure out what is the most important thing. The biggest problem with people, especially, you know, at the situation where it isn't, once you figure out how to do it and people like what you're doing, that's not the problem. The problem is the volume. Like it is hard to adjust for volume and you can haul ass, pardon me. You can haul ass and get everything done. And then all of a sudden it's just like, now what, you know, I, you know, I sold this batch, but now I have to, you know, do it all over again. You know, it is kind of overwhelming and it's a lot of it is, a planning situation, sure. you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have, but it is something to like, I feel very strongly about planning months and months sure. ahead. I really you know? admire like a newsletter model. Like maybe you're getting, so you go to the shows, you sell out, you start taking emails from people. And then you add them to a newsletter. And then instead of going to the shows and the cotton, like obviously shows are a lot of fun, but they also cost a lot. And if you could go to a show just to hang and network, that's a lot better, I think, than going there with the responsibility of holding a table. I mean, Jeff, you would know this 100% because that's kind of your your modus operandi. And so... Oh, brown modus operandi. No, he doesn't brown bag. He doesn't. He's spending money, <laughs> but he he takes care of it outside of the show, so that when he goes to the show, he can chill. There's no pressure. You relax, and you do what you want to do. And I think, I, I don't know. I think the newsletter model is really great, um, especially if you have demand for your work. Then you do something along the lines of what like Bloodroot Blades does, which I think is freaking rad and i've admired for a long time um is that you know they just bust their ass throughout the month they drop a newsletter with all the knives and boom those fuckers are gone and they're set they don't have to do all the travel they don't have to do all the packaging they don't have or like you know packing the knives up and taking to a show if they want to go to a show they just go themselves that's it i I think that they're not. I think that this this show is not like a knife show. I think it's like a farmer farmers event or a holiday event. Not a farmers like a, not a farmers market, but like a high end. You know, there I get asked to be in these markets and holiday markets or you know whatever. And I, you know, I got back in the day. My dad used to drag me to farmers markets, and I fucking hated every minute of sitting behind a table answering the same question over and over again. So like you couldn't get me to sit at a table to fuck. You can't do it. Anything gonna happen. Um, what vintage this was are easy these decision grapes? For me. Right. Well, that was the thing is I had to be, learn how to talk about wine, and it was just like these motherfuckers just want free wine. Get the fuck out of here. Um, but uh, yeah, I cut that shit loose and you know make your life easier because probably the shows are probably great and it's great exposure. But like you you like your take you 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 know it ain't free. So 
That's I think I agree with you. There's one more. Do we? Do you answer the question, Craig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it seems to be working for him, so maybe don't concentrate on the shows. I, I was the, the opposite opinion to Morocco, yeah. I think we both took the question differently, actually. But. Good. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Yeah, it's all perfect. Good. It's all good. One last dilemma, and this one's straight directly at you, Craig, but, but Mareko, you and I can, you know, intervene. This is a scenario for Craig. This is from Gant Forgeworks. I think that's KLB. Yeah. You get okay. to, wait there. If this is specifically for me, you might as well call me up. You might as well make this a phone call. Okay. Hello, Craig from Chop Knives. Can I help you? Hey, what's up? It's me, KLB. I got a question for you. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. How can I help? If you had the opportunity to be part of your favorite band, living or dead, but you had to leave your current bandmates permanently, would you do it? No fuck <laughs> yes. <laughs> fuck yes. Uh, yes. We nearly sacked our drummer again this week. Of course. Au revoir. Of course. Au revoir, you motherfuckers. <laughs> it's over, baby. Before you finish the question, I was on that, without a doubt. Uh, nope. It doesn't even have to be my favorite band. It just needs to be a functioning band. <laughs> So what bands would you? What bands would? Or what were what functioning bands? I mean, here you know what the funny thing was is back to the Beatles. That was a very stressful. Watching that was very stressful because you saw the dynamics between everybody. It was very clear that Paul. Wait there, you're still paying for this phone call. Let's put the phone down a sec. All right. There we go. Curry, carry on. Sorry. I mean, you you are you know the, I, I I was stressed out because number one they had an extraordinary amount of pressure on them. Like there yes. was like label people. There was like fifty or sixty people just like milling around. You could tell they were like chewing on their fingernails and like you know like their their money was depending on it. And no. what you could see is you could see Paul holding it together, but at the same time it was stressful. You know, yeah. super duper stressful. And you could tell like they there was a degree of. They lost some of that early hunger, you know, of like, I mean, they knew that the fucking Beatles and it's like, yeah. fuck they, all well, these they, people. They, Paul makes a point, actually. He says, we've got nobody now telling us what to do. So Brian Epstein or Mr. Epstein, as they, they right. keep referring to him right. still, right. had died previously. And he was always there. So he was their manager, but also their mentor. And, you know, he told them what to wear um, and gave them advice. You know, you need to be in rehearsal tomorrow at 10 a.m. All that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, that wasn't happening anymore. He'd gone, and nobody else had taken on that role. So they were just, you know, between themselves, oh, well, see you tomorrow at three. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And, you know, somebody wouldn't turn up or something. You know, They had nobody sort of directing them. And, yeah, it was almost like, you know, daddy's gone, and we can do what the hell we want now, you know? It was very much like that. That is so interesting that you mentioned that, because I found that part to be amazing for makers, too, because a lot of makers, they'll have a job, and then they'll learn how to make knives, or maybe make whatever, and then they're like, they get good at it, and then they sell a couple, and they're like, going to quit their job, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, all right, now where's the money? There was mm -hmm. this incredible lack of direction and uh, discipline. That, and they were coddled. I mean, they were coddled. I mean, there was one woman who walked over and just put a plate with a fucking toast on the ground for them to drink. And <laughs> so much toast. They were, I mean, these motherfuckers are so locked up. It's just like, I mean, it's like, you know, just like they were just coddled 
but like there was nobody saying okay this is what we're going to do except for paul there was yeah. no yeah. nobody was nobody was saying all right we need some discipline here it was just like you know john was on one you know every fucking five minutes you know it's like yeah i found it to be very well, john was on heroin at the time as well which, which wouldn't help was he yeah yeah Oh yeah, was yeah. He yeah. This was like the the height of his sort. Of, yeah, he was the height of his sort of heroin time. This as well. Yeah, yeah. So you had John on heroin. Oh, you had yeah. um, George about to leave at any point because he just felt as if <laughs> anything creativity wise was just being disregarded. Um, you had McCartney, as you say, trying to hold things together, um, and you know, giving them you know throwing them bones occasionally, saying yeah, okay, we can do that, but knowing it wasn't for the best. And then you had Ringo, who just didn't give a fuck. Cause he was on the drums anyway. <laughs> he, he, no, Ringo gave a fuck. Ringo, of all of them, Ringo gave the most fucks because he kept his fucking mouth shut and he held he on. Kept tight. It and it, held on. Yeah, tight. yeah, yeah. He was the smartest yeah. of them all, really, because he's like, you know, he knew that he knew that he had to hold on tight. Yeah. And he was the one with the smoking wife as well. Did you notice when she came in? No. Ah, I right. Ringo's done well for himself there. <laughs> I yeah. didn't notice that, but I. But what is interesting is, is back to it is, it is very clear that that Yoko Ono is not the reason why the Beatles broke up. No, exactly. That's yeah, that's quite clear in that. Quite yeah. clear that. I mean, obviously she should fuck away off a little bit, but but other than that, I mean, they had they had real. I think that they had real uh, discipline issues, real discipline issues. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think yeah. that they were gotten very popular very quickly. They, I mean, extraordinarily popular. I mean, obviously, duh. But at the same yeah. time, it was like there was this no sense of hunger, no sense of urgency. And then they had these people f- just falling all over them, but there was no, mm. like, direction. And they got – I think I honestly felt like they got lucky – not lucky, but, like – that was a tight deadline to come up with that shit. And none oh, of them, geez, none yeah. of them seemed yeah. to be, none of them seemed to be too giving a shit. Yeah, and to the point where they didn't even know what they were doing. You know, they were like, "Well, at the, what's the end result? Is is this going to be a TV show? Or, you know, are we going to go on a boat? We do this yeah. on a boat? Like, should we do this in like in a hospital? We will get some sick kids. You know, not ones with cancer, just for, like with broken legs or something. We know we. <laughs> it's just like Jesus Christ. They didn't have a clue what they were doing. It was it was crazy. The madness. Crazy. The madness. Of it and all. they were in their mid twenties. Mid twenties. Right. They look about fifty. They've right. been through so much. They were in their mid crazy. It was. It, it, I found. I found there to be a lot of parallels in regards to people's direction in like not wanting to choose discipline. And I mean, the, you know, the, there's a, the reason why they gave up is because there was no like they were. They got too. I think they got too famous, and I don't think that they had the hunger anymore. And then it was just like, it was just very clear that the like they're, they're just tired of it. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, what was the question? <laughs> <Where were> we? <laughs> it's me, KLB. Hey, Craig, you put the phone on me. No, what? Band, oh, right. What yes, band yes. would you trade your motherfuckers in for your, your French guys in for? What, what? What band would you trade yourself in for? Um, probably an unpopular decision because um, a lot of people don't like them. But it would, it would be Oasis simply because that was the music that got me playing guitar in the first place. And there's been a huge resurgence in the last five, six years of, of, you know, of the two guys that were in Oasis of their own music. And they're still cool as fuck yeah. after all this time, you know? So, I yeah, bet you play a mean that's, that's, that's where I'm going. 
we do play Wonderwall, and it's I wouldn't say mean. Um, it's just, it's a shit song, really, and you know, <laughs> I it's, don't know. it's you know. And the next one is Wonderwall, and it's like, oh, really. But um, yeah, people know it. That's the main thing. But uh, yeah, it would be Oasis, just because I still think they're cool as fuck, and um, it's the kind of music that got me playing guitar in the first place. So yeah, Mareko, what band would you wish you could join? The Black Keys. Oh. oh, we play a Black Keys song too. We play Lonely Boy, but I think every cover band plays. It's, it's part of the contract. We need to play Lonely Boy. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Uh, Dan Arbach's vocals are killer. Uh, I love that it's, they're just a two piece. So I could jump in there with some bass <laughs> or backup guitar. Slap the bass. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Jeff, you're going to be the Stones, surely. Well, you know, you'd think so, but I mean, I, I honestly, I honestly got very the Beatles show. I, we were actually watching last night. We were watching the Alanis Morissette "Jagged Little Pill" documentary a little bit. Who's that? That one was at? tough to watch. It's on HBO Max. That was tough to watch. That was a little tough to watch because she was very like, she was taken advantage of at a very young age, and it was very like hard to watch. Mm. Um, yeah. Very bitter the you know, lyrics of that album I, too I, about the whole situation. Well, if you if you album. heard what she gonna you know she started out at twelve, and if you kind of heard what she had to go up to in order to get the jagged little pill, you would be like, I this is very you know deserved. I mean, she was molested hmm. by like tour people, and she was like too, she oh. was taken advantage of by by you know anybody in the music industry like physically. It was just really like Jesus. it was bad. She has every reason to feel the way she does um you know growing up it's interesting because when i was growing up parents were divorced i was a latchkey kid i wasn't really i I, my musical taste developed later than most people because my dad felt like popular music was making my sisters rebellious so i was like kind of forbidden from listening to popular music i told you that before right like i wasn't i was you know so like he believed that Tupac Shakur and should be in a cell with Mick Jagger. <laughs> they should throw the two of them in the cell together because they're you know ruining society. Music of the devil. Yeah, they're ruining yeah. society. He would used to blame Mick Jagger for all all of society's ills. They should throw him in a jail cell with Mick Jagger. So that's probably one of the reasons why I like the Stones so much. I really identified when grunge came out. I really identified with Nirvana. Uh, uh, Pearl Jam first, uh, the Black Crows. I really like the Black mm. Crows a lot. So, the Black Crows, Nirvana, uh, um, Chris Cornell was a you know a giant, massive. You know, I actually talked to John Ariani. He, he played when when Chris Cornell's anniversary Soundgarden, was dying right. goes Soundgarden. Right, we get kind of a little blue about it because he really was the voice of I mean my generation. So like Chris Cornell was, I would have loved to have been around. And a friend of mine who's in a band called A Storm of Light did a lot of work with Chris Cornell and mm. went to the funeral and was just like, you know, the, the the connection he had with Chris Cornell was just pretty amazing. So probably something like that. There you go. I've been listening to a lot of Nirvana lately, it, which is, which it, it's only been in the last, really last few months that I've really appreciated the, like the actual quality of the, the musical composition and the lyrics. Because I grew up listen, like mm. being in the Pacific Northwest, listening and hearing Nirvana on the radio non-fucking-stop. And so whenever a song would come on, I'd just roll my eyes and change the channel. Because it'd be like, oh, it's that song I heard again. But right. I, I can't remember what it was, but I was listening. I It came on, and I was like, damn, that's actually a really good song. And just like yeah. really listening to yeah. like the 
the way he's playing his guitar and the way he's singing and just like the very uh what is it the variability of his vocals even is just he goes from really soft to like this insane scratchy screechy yelling voice and it's mm. and it's really impressive yeah and then like the the unplugged album yeah. too yeah which Super you know you think you know for that to be so good and then to do the you know the really heavy heavy stuff to be so good is the difference yeah you're right that that sort of range yeah. is incredible it makes you really appreciate Dave Grohl that much more you know oh, yeah. i mean yeah. what he's been he's able to cool do cool as fuck isn't he he is like so cool it's ridiculous he's got a ridiculous. new book out that's supposed to be great i yeah i've read the, well i've read i had the audio book um and it's it's a weird because it's like a biography but he just focuses on he picks like like stories things that have happened and each chapter is basically one of these stories so it's not a full biography um it's brilliant it's funny it's really heartfelt as well it's very very good mm. and he reads the audiobook okay. himself too which is really nice would uplift really your band craig ever consider playing black hole sun think would be good black hole sun <sighs> would be a fucking good song for <laughs> i you do guys. love it yeah i've never considered it it would be good i would like and that you yeah. could make Maybe. it not as he doesn't have to be as heavy duty i mean he does it you know he could, he's done it acoustically that's mm. very very melodic uh, melodic I i've like heard that. that and i think that was on the the um that, you know that radio show that you know what's his name howard stern howard, howard stern, stern, stern yeah. i think he did it on he did it on there it was good. amazing yeah, if you can well, go on YouTube and look at the, the the audio that Howard gets these guys, all the he gets people to play covers that they've never played before, and it's always usually very surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, he, he got uh, Dave Grohl again to do um, Everlong acoustic. Oh, right, that's such right. a good song. song. That was, yeah, yeah, and that version too is great. Yeah. All right, so well, look at us, three old guys talking about I music. I told you I'd get you here, guys. I told you, don't worry. It's <laughs> early in the morning for Reckon. We'll have a good time. So, we have any reads, or should we do questions, or whatever you wanted to get back in the knife talk? Or let's talk about the sandpaper that we use. We use the best, of course. We use the best. It's made by Indasa. It's called Rhino Wet, and you can get it cheap as well. You can go to TexasFarrowSupply.com where they sell Rhino Wet, as as well as loads of other things for knife makers. Um, and you can get 10% off. So com. use Knife Talk 10 and get 10% off the full order. And you know what? I just mentioned Texas Fire Supply. They sell lots of lots of things for knife makers. We should do like a holiday guide, like little gifts maybe for, for knife makers. We've got two weeks left oh, until Christmas. I think that's a great idea. Do you think? I tell you, I'll kick off. I've got a five. Shall I kick off with with two, and then we'll you you guys have got time to pick pick two, and we'll go round. Yeah, we'll. I've, I've got a whole small. list. We'll, we'll, I got a whole list oh, too. Cool. Let's do a round. We'll round robin. Wow, this is like we've prepared this. Wow, I'm telling <laughs> okay. you, I'm fucking telling you guys. I'm going to go up in value. I'm going to go up in value, um, and the first one being um, a stocking filler. One, two, three blocks. Get a bunch of one, two, three blocks. Stick them on your drill presses. Stick them on your benches. They're brilliant just for, you know, when you're drilling, you know, to keep things off off the drill table, um, to bridge a gap between things to drill a hole. They're brilliant. They're square. I mean, they're square enough for a knife maker. Um, if you're a machinist, you'd probably be like, I'm not using those things. But they're brilliant. I've got a bunch of them. I use them all of the time. 
one, two, three blocks. I had that, and you know when I use one of my one, two, three blocks, I have it in a vice. I have a small drill press, and I have it in a vice, and then I use it for the, uh, well, for, you know, fuck it. For mine, I'm going to do a Corby bolt drill bit. That's the Corby bolts. Mm. That's the drill bits that are for creating the shoulder and countersinking for the Corby bit, Corby bolts. And I actually have a, a drill press that I have uh, a vice, and I have a one, two, three block in it, and then I use that. So when I'm doing, when I'm dr- countersinking my holes for Corby bolts, the drill bit passes through one of the holes. Yeah. And it holds yeah. it flat. Okay, yeah. They're awesome. I love them. Mareka, um, uh, what's first on your items list? are actually kind of themed for um, getting a solid Damascus etching setup going. Um, right. But the number one thing is using, get yourself some damn distilled water. It's cheap. We, we were trying to keep these things cheap or inexpensive. Distilled water is a really strong way to start. Tap will work. But I've found over my time in use that I need to remove as many variables as possible. And by using distilled water, you're getting, you're completely, you know, removing the variability of minerality of various tap waters wherever you're at or different water sources. Get some damn distilled water. Do you get distilled water like the grocery store? By the gallon. There you go. Yeah, it's like two bucks a Uh, gallon. And if you watch the uh, the Neil Kamamura's YouTube video, which is awesome, on coffee etch, how he, how he etches his blades, he uses distilled water for everything. He loves it. That's it. Cool. What you got next, Jeff? I, What's on the list? I'm going to, Dear Santa. I'm going to say uh, a mold polishing stones. And Aaron Goff beat the brakes off of me for months. I don't know why you don't get mold polishing stones. I don't know why. I saw them once and thought... Oh, this is weird. So for hand sanding, when to get the beginning stages before you start doing the real sanding, so you you can buy mold polishing stones, M O U L D polishing stones. I think they call them other things. You can get, and they're small. They're like maybe four inches, and then they're like an, uh, half an inch, uh, half an inch wide, and then three eighths of an inch um, deep. Kind of like your penis, you know. It's like, it's like <laughs> just like get, find the stones that are at the small so size wife. of your penis, <laughs> and then so what you how you do what you do is is you don't hold them like a a a, a, um, a, a sanding stick. You're holding them in your so the one end is in your palm, and then the the tip is on your finger, and then you're holding it like you're using like a just like his penis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're holding it just like your fucking penis. So what I noticed was it was great because as you're working through, you're constantly getting a fresh uh, abrasive. And then when you put a little bit of oil on there, WD-40, you're creating this pumice. What I had a problem with was how it was um, kind of cutting into my palm. It was like almost like a pressure point. My finger was going numb. So I actually, I'm waiting to talk to a, I want, you know, you uh, 3D printer guys. I took this piece of wood and I made like a, almost the size of half of a golf ball. And I cut it in half and on the flat side, I drilled a hole. So it's almost like a, uh, I guess it would be like kind of like a cup for your for your jock strap, and then you hold it in your palm, and then the the the, the mold polishing stone goes in that, and it, it's kind of resting in your palm, and you're not pushing this like thin thing into your hand. Does that make sense? Yeah, 
Yeah. So mold polishing nice. stones do cut time off and gets you right into that wine at Rhino Wet Easy. So mold polishing stones. Okay. I'll go next with cheap digital calipers. Get a bunch of them. I mean, you can get them for sort of 15, 20 euros. Um, get a bunch of them. Leave the one next to your drill presses. Leave one on your bench. Pick up a pick up a drill bit. It was it was wears off. You know the size. Digital caliper immediately. You know the size. They're brilliant. I use them for I use them for marking as well. I use them for so much. So yeah, they're cheap. Fifteen twenty euros. Get a bunch of them. Um, and you know they're accurate enough for you know the, the uses that I use them for. You know the display is maybe down to the hundredth of a millimeter, but realistically you're probably talking about a tenth of a millimeter really. Um, and that's good enough for most purposes. So, yeah, get yourself uh, a few of them and just have them dotted around. And, you know, maybe one in your apron as well. Just just keep them close by. I use them so much. Nice. Nice. My next thing on my Damascus etching list is tall food containers. So I've struggled to find containers that were adequate for holding uh, etching solutions. And... Oddly enough, if you just go on to Amazon for like 25 bucks, you can get a set of four tall food storage containers. And they're 12, 12 and a half inches deep, which is plenty of depth for a 10-inch knife. Um, but they're also large enough for, like the, for a large chef's knife. Because um, I think the ones I found were like three and a quarter inches square at the top that's gently tapered down to the base. Um, so there's plenty of room for a knife or even a couple knives in there. Um, but they come in a batch of four or a set of four um, off Amazon. And so you have coffee, you can have ferric, you can have uh, baking soda solution for neutralizing. You could have some other acid, maybe phosphoric acid for if you're doing like brute to forge for eating the forge scale off of that. Um, but again, you need some containers, some solid containers with the right size or right amount of depth, um, in the right dimensions, uh, to be able to hold the, the, your stuff. So you can etch a your knife. Hidden tang. It'll fit a hidden tang, like 12 inches. Yes. For hidden tang. I'm sorry. If you have for a full a tang, tang chef knife, if you have a full tang chef knife, it's probably like 15 to 17. Yes. 100%. Sorry. I would, that's it. No. I was talking hidden tangs. Jeff, it's on you. I would so, I, next on your Santa's list. I want you guys to get a uh, a stand for your porta band. You have to stop putting your porta band in a vice. That is some bullshit. You're gonna. That's how I ended up cutting almost cutting half my finger off. Uh, go get yourself one of them swag stands. I don't. I mean, there are probably other companies that make them. Um, swag makes them for. I believe at least for the Milwaukee Porta Band, and if you have a newer version of the Milwaukee Porta Band, there's like a little notch that will fit. They they cut out this spot to fit to help kind of prop it up. Um, the one thing about those stands that kind of sucks is it doesn't really hold it in perfect. So I usually use a uh, ratchet strap to kind of make sure it's tight, and I have a couple little extra things to make it tight, and then I get a little bit of a squeeze clamp for the <laughs> a squeeze clamp for the trigger. But uh, get yourself a stand that's going to hold your your port of man correctly yeah okay next on my list a a digital angle finder um again super cheap 10 15 euros get a couple of them because you're always going to lose one they're pretty small um but i find that because what i do is quite repeatable on the different sort of uh, models that i do so everything's written down so i can just take my drill press, move the platen back to the required angle that, that I need, and I'm ready to go again, super quick. No having to find the angle. It's all written down. Do it. 
simple, simple, simple. 10, 15 euros, one of those. They're just little boxes, and they'll, they've got magnets on them. You all know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, get them. They're super, super handy for something so cheap that, you know, it saves you a lot of time and effort. They're really cool. Nice. Um, Back yeah, to Yeah, my next thing on the Damascus etching list are all of your etchings, what you're going to use to etch. So uh, I've, I recently got a hold of anhydrous ferric chloride. So sometimes you can get ferric chloride in liquid form. So this is the like a powder form. And, and so you kind of mix it up like instant coffee, but you definitely do not want to fucking try to drink that. It's nasty. Um, so you can get that, uh, the ferric in powder form as well as, you know, Nescafe, and then you also want your baking powder. So those are, like, the three, for me, would be my basic foundation acids or, like, etching solutions uh, for, you know, ferric for depth, coffee for um, contrast, and baking soda uh, for neutralizing. Nice. Jeff, I what's next? love Bob Smith's Industry Insta Cure. It's a CA glue. Uh, Instacure, Bob Smith Industries uh, Instacure, because it is got different, it's a, it's a type of CA glue. They make different thicknesses and, and viscosities, and they also sell with like a kind of a curing activator too, um, and it works really, really quick. It's great for, it's great, it's great, it's my favorite it's my favorite CA glue. Um, and you can also buy not just those little tiny bullshit containers. You can actually buy like nice big jugs of it. So I think good CA glue, good crazy glue or CA glue is important. That Bob Smith industry stuff is awesome. I like the, the medium thickness too, but you can get some real super duper thin stuff. That's good too. Cool. Cool. Uh, next on my list um, to speed up pro- productivity at not much of a cost is more aluminium plates. You can't have enough. Um, we get the question quite often about, <coughs> excuse me, um, about you know how many can you quench at a time and all that kind of thing. Um, if you're doing batches a lot, just get more aluminium plates. They're cheap enough. Obviously, they can be reused over and over and over again. Um, yeah, just <coughs> contact your local uh, steel supplier see if they've got any sort of offcuts around. Um, half inch inch aluminium plates can't have enough of them nice yeah all right so next on the damascus itch list so something i've just started doing recently which makes me a little nervous to talk about it because it's just i've been getting really great results but i haven't been doing it for very long and so i don't know what other kind of variables are there but i've been using uh the i've been using rubberized abrasives actually for hand sanding so after the ferric usually scrub it in between ferric etches um and usually use like some some wet sanding paper um but one of the difficulties with using just like your fingertip and some wet sanding paper is that on some of the flat surfaces it's hard to get an even scrub on it and so i've been using these rubberized abrasives because it has that density of basically an eraser um, but it has abrasive mixed in with the the rubber that makes the shape and it's very easy to get around all the different edges and flat surfaces and across the face of the blade and and little nooks and crannies And, and you can also cut and carve um the rubber abrasive to whatever shape you need. So maybe you have a tight little weird spot that you want to get in, or you have a fuller down your blade. You can shape it so it fits right in there and you can clean up just fine. Um, So 
I've been looking around. I've used actually several different kinds, but the most recent ones I've found that are kind of easily acquired are, again, through Amazon. They're called fret erasers, and these are actually meant for clean, kind of cleaning up any oxidation uh, that you that would develop on the fretboard of, like, your guitar or bass or even the strings, oxidation on the strings. Um, but they are the, – the one of the sets I found – Starts at 180, then it goes to two or sorry, 400, 800, 1400, and 2000. So it goes really high. And so, what I've but I found that you don't really need much higher than the 400, um, but you can use these for all kinds of stuff. I've used them for uh, cleaning up hormones and stuff like that. Um, so, anyways, these rubberized abrasives are really awesome for yeah cleaning up and scrubbing. I especially, you know, I etch in ferric, make sure the blade's nice and clean. I'll scrub it with the rubber abrasive, like the 400 grit one. And then and then I'll rinse it off and I'll put, go straight into the coffee from there. And I've been getting awesome results because that rubber matrix, uh, it's not the, 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 the likelihood of burnishing the surface of your material, which is always an issue I've had in the past, is basically not there because that rubber has that give. And so that lack having that give, you, you're not shoving the abrasive into the surface of the of the knife. And so the likelihood of burnishing is extremely low. Um, and it also, even though 400 sounds like a really coarse grit, when it's in that rubber abrasive and you're in your hand sanding with it or scrubbing the blade with it, it sands almost the same as a thousand grit or two thousand grit sandpaper. It's crazy. Uh, and I do it wet. So, um, yeah, these fret erasers are super handy and they're like nice. 30 bucks for a set. Very cool. It's my turn. Yes. Yep. All right. I like, this is a, I, I'm looking at it right now. I like for screwdrivers. There's a type of screwdriver. I got this at a hard, at a auto body shop and it has a pistol grip. So you're not holding it like a penis. You're holding it like, <laughs> you're holding it so that. What is it with you and penises today? Well, I mean, a screwdriver, Jesus I mean, it's Christ. kind of, I mean, I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to also kind of like make sure we do callbacks and stuff like that i like callbacks it's a radio thing so the it's like a pistol grip um screwdriver with you can take out the bits and put new bits in and the reason why i like those is for corby bolts because you can get the right because every corby bolt company makes different slotted corby bolts so it would be good to be able to find the right drill bit and then to get that extra crank if your hang if your hands aren't slippery those kind of pistol grip screwdrivers allow you to just kind of make sure that you're not, you know, you're getting, you're getting it nice. So that's what I like. Nice and snug. That's it, baby. There we go. And my last one on the list, um, so this was going up a little bit now in, in cost, um, is just get another drill press. Please just get another one. Then it doesn't have to be a super duper one. It can be pretty inexpensive, but it'll just save you time. Seriously, let's get another drill press. You took mine. I had that on. Really? Oh, dude. Oh, wow. I, I once was at a metal shop. My last metal shop I was at, we had five drill presses. So you could put all the bits in, in succession, just walk down the fucking line, and it was like yeah. unreal. I would love to have like four or five drill bits, drill presses, and just like. Yeah. And, and for what we're doing, they, they don't need to be spaced out far either because we're using, you know, short bits of stock. So you know you you get four or five drill presses in not much 
you know, in a pretty tight space. That's what she said. So, yeah. So, so get it doesn't have to be an expensive one. They're accurate enough. You know, even a cheap one is accurate enough for what we want. Um, but yes, any sort of you know seven hundred watt above should be more than good enough for what you need. Nice. Uh, the last thing I have on my list for a solid Damascus etching setup is uh, sunray polishing cloths. So these are, uh, I think they come in a, actually a bunch of different uh, colors and abrasiveness. I, I get the yellow sunray polishing cloths, but they're jewelry. They're actually they're made for jewelry but um sometimes after coming out of the coffee etch and after you neutralize and rinse everything off there's a slight tint on the 15 and 20 and um, if you just very lightly um wipe the sun sun ray polishing cloth across that 15 and 20 it'll brighten it right back up um and make everything just look super sweet and good looking nice is that is that all I have that I have them? one last if we want to just do a you know quickie you know fire off I I have I would say tong clips or industrial strength rubber bands I see a lot of people using just their hand strength and you're fight you're fighting yourself and having good tong clips or like uh Cliff Dufton got me involved with like some fucking military ranger, you know, like you know, Navy SEAL rubber bands or something like that. Or Mareka once said if you you know, if you go buy broccoli, I know some of you are just like, What's broccoli? If you could get like those little those very thick rubber bands, you'll be able to, you know, hold your material in a way where you you're not gripping so tight all the time. So is that where you slide it up the handle of the tongs and it'll just keep them tight for you? Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay, so quickly run through them again. So mine were one, two, three blocks, digital calipers, digital angle finder, more aluminium plates, and another drill press. Mareko, shoot. Mine those. are fret erasers, uh, etching solutions, and hydrous fluoric, uh, sorry, and hydrous ferric chloride, uh, Nescafe, uh, and baking, uh, Jesus. Baking soda, distilled water, tall food containers, and sunray polishing cloths. And I will say, I have an Amazon store actually <laughs> that if you want to oh. find all of these things. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You go to Amazon.com slash shop slash Malmossy Fire Arts and you can find all that stuff in other little nooks and crannies and sh- As used by yeah, Miracle exactly. So I just had a curiosity what does that do? Does it give you like a little kickback or? I actually don't know. They offered it to me and I didn't really read it. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't care. Because I buy shit from Amazon all the time. Um, that might yeah. make some people I think, I think it gives a little kickback. Is that how it works? Do, okay, little kickback. So, Do you remember? So it's the same price. For the buyer, it's the same price. Um, but, yeah, a little bit goes to you then. Right. And nice. so, I mean, more than anything, it's just I, I, have, I haven't been very good about keeping track of all the different stuff I buy. So uh, if I need to find it again, um, that I, this has been an easy way for me to find those things again. <laughs> Do you remember years ago yes. when we got that nasty email about saying Amazon? Uh, yeah, that guy can go fuck himself. <laughs> well, he's probably always, <laughs> he, he probably said it. I think we've all got to the point where we, we really rely on Amazon now, to be Unfortunately. fair. Unfortunately. 
Yeah, it is unfortunate, but yeah. yeah. Jeff, let's uh, spin through yours well, quickly you, again. Uh, mold polishing stones, that Bob Smith Industries uh, CA glue and activator. I also had one, two, three blocks. The Corby bolt drill bit, the Corby bolt drill bit based on, if you, oh, fuck it. If you go to Jan Supply, they sell Corby bolts, and then they also sell the, uh, the appropriate drill bits. I'm sure other places do too. Uh, I also wanted uh, swag stand for your porta band. Uh, and I also had another small drill press. Tong clips or like rubber bands. I also wanted to give a shout out. Get yourself some Bill Banky file guides. And I want a new knife vise. And I'm going to actually getting one from Trojan Horse Forge. I'm sending you a knife vise because I'm tired of fucking around with two by fours. <laughs> so nice. tired of it. I don't want them anymore. Okay, cool. And if you've got just that little bit more to spend, and um, maybe you're using like a 1x30 or, heaven forbid, even a right-angle grinder to make knives, you probably want a grinder. So which grinder should you get, guys? Broadback. Gotta get that Broadback Ironworks. Gotta get that Broadback. Of course. It's a knife It's a knife grinding machine made by knife makers for knife makers, right? You can use it horizontally and vertically. They got like a million different tooling arms, <laughs> so you got several different machines just on, in one, and they got really reasonable prices, right? And if you go to broadbackironworks.com and type in Knife Talk at checkout, you can get a free upgrade to the Morocco Platin, which is the ultra deep. It's like four and a half inches of clearance behind the Platin um, tool arms. So, so much depth. <laughs> you got to get that deep P. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. Platin, deep platin. Easy. Okay, we're hour and 35 minutes in. Shall we just fire off one or two questions and see where we go? Sure. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Okay, I'll take the first one. And this looks as if it's from three people. Uh, Noah Knives. Oh, no, sorry. It's one person. Noah Knives and Leather Goods. Um, but also left coast custom knives. Um, I have a question for you guys. When finishing my handles while hand sanding at the tang... My G10 gets a dull, dark look to it. I want to make it pop. I think the metal from the tang makes the liners uh, dingy. I've tried fresh abrasives and I had some luck. Any tips uh, for a new maker? So he's using G10 liners, um, which are getting um, a bit dirty um, when he's sort of finishing uh, around the tang. Um, any tips? Uh, Jeff used G10 a lot. I made a mistake. Um, what I made tips? a mistake. That was from Left Coast Customs. That was not from Noah Knives and Leather Goods. I forgot to put his question. Right, sorry, right, sorry okay. Noah. We'll get you in next no year. Um, the hard part is is like light because G10 is more like fiberglass. There are these little kind of like lumps and bumps that on a very small level that t- hold on to dirt and stuff like that. So like you just got to be really really careful with um with making sure you're not dragging uh a lot of times for me it's dragging the brass from the Corby bolt into the G10. Obviously if you're using dark G10 it doesn't show up but if you're using a lot of light blues and yellows and oranges and reds you'll see that. So um, I'm constantly changing and using fresh paper. Uh, I'm trying to do all my tight um, connections between the different materials um, with fresh belts and uh, doing them quickly and not kind of like meandering on them. And then I'm also doing a lot of cleaning with acetone and then 
soap and water and uh, a blue scrubby. Blue scrubbies don't really scratch things. They're for like, you know, they're easy to not, it won't scratch your shit. Um, and then lots of soap and water. But you got to use fresh stuff all the time. And the the coarser your abrasives, the deeper the grit scratches. And the deeper the grit scratches, the more shit's going to show up. So if you can constantly kind of uh, go up and up and up to your tight tightest grit, um, you're probably going to have a l- little bit more success. Yeah, I'll second that. Um, but yeah, you said acetone. I use a ton of acetone. Um, it's good. Um, and also, if you're using polishing belts at the end, um, make sure you're just not using you know a naked uh, polishing mop. Make sure you're using some sort of uh, polishing compound as well. That seems to help. And you need to have different clean you know if you're gonna buff you have to have like you have to know that the dirty one's gonna fuck you shit up you know the, the one yeah that, yeah the one that the dirty one's gonna not be your friend you know it's not gonna magically yeah, definitely definitely use different mops for steel as you would for your handle material without a doubt um can i add something to that please sure, so sure. i have like i said i've been using those rubber abrasives and i've found that they actually get in and they act like an eraser so i i've had material smudge into especially when i did the first batch of uh the smith and bard knives um i was using the rubber abrasives to clean up the the schmear or the dirt because i had like a white paper micarter as the the underlying kind of liner um, of the the handle whatever the, the handle slabs and it was it gets dirty so easily but by using the rubberized abrasive it cleaned it up and it also kind of pulled out any of that kind of dust and residual shit that was getting in there and that made it really easy to clean up the the white paper micarta uh, and so that I could finish it out so there there's those those rubber abrasives have a lot of a lot of different uses. Nice tip. Nice tip. Um, guys, do you want to pick a question each? I actually sure. can't see the new questions. I Like the question you just asked, oh, right. I, have, okay. I can't. I don't have it on my notes. I don't know why. Hmm. That's weird. Hmm. Yeah, mine starts with Jeff, Tim do you want to take another and maybe I'll find another and um, I'll pose it for Morocco maybe. Okay, this is from Iron Gull Knives. Here's a question for you guys. What's more satisfying, getting a knife completed or getting an episode of the podcast finished? <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely a knife for me because um, I'm actually completing more podcasts than I am knives at the moment. So it's, it's, it's getting a knife completed, definitely <laughs> for me. Um, but I mean, we've been doing how many? been trying to think how long we've been doing this i think we're on episode 180 something it's like four now. years something like that four and we've years. never actually Jeez. met i know that's the fucking crazy, crazy part like Morocco and i've met we've hung out but you pen pals yeah. of the modern pen age pals. Yeah. weird it's gonna be crazy it will be very it'll be very very weird Pod when we fir- when we finally meet i think the eye contact is going to be a problem <laughs> you think? Yeah, I do. I really do. I'm going to be like, I kind of know this voice. I know the, being, you know, but I'm going to have, a, I'm going to have, it's going to be real awkward for a while. I'm yeah. just warning you. We we can't just do penis jokes when we first oh, meet. Oh, there will be, no, no, it's going to be like, the hell are these, like, beavers and butthead? It's going to be like, yeah, yeah, don't hug me. I don't, there's going to be a lot of like, you know, don't look deep into my eyes. and I don't want any of that, you know, I don't want any of that. Okay. We'll just shake hands, fist bump maybe. 
<laughs> okay. Um, so where were we? Uh, more satisfying. Satisfying. Uh, getting a knife completed or episode of the pod finished? What do you think, Barack? I mean, it's I I love recording and having these chats with you guys because basically I spend a lot of time in my shop not talking to people. Um, so it's always kind of revitalizing to have these conversations with you guys. Um, but then also when it comes to the knives, like <laughs> there's there's a lot of work that goes in for me to build one of my knives and so when i get one sent out the door that feels pretty damn good too so unfortunately i think i'm gonna have to go with knives and not getting a knife sent out it's very interesting because i have totally two different opinions on it one is is i i am a big fan of not patting myself on the back and just getting back to it so like i get fired up when i see something new or i've done something like the last color lab the neptune sunrise knives are just like i'm pretty psyched about them i'm also pretty psyched about other ones and stuff i'm going to be doing for 2023 but i will say between this and uh, knife talk in the full blast podcast there are some episodes that are so good in the while it's, they're happening that I kind of get like this weird tingle in my arms, in my arms, like a little, like a, like goosebumps a little in bit because I know that they're good. Yeah. And when I'm done, when we're out of the car, I'm like, that was a fucking good one. And I get a little bit more satisfaction from the podcast only because when they're really good, I just be, I feel, I feel very satisfied that I've been able to kind of like activate a feeling that I had when I was a kid of making my dad, you know, my, my dad loved radio and he would make him laugh. And the fact that I could make a good podcast, it was, it's coming from a different place. Obviously I'm, you know, very satisfied when I get the knives finished, but I don't get too attached to them. Just send them right, fucking put them in the mail and then get on to the next thing. But the podcasts are just like, I'm sometimes I get really excited to hear them the next, you know, when they come out to see how they came out. And then it gets me pissed off when, you know, we get the, you don't get the fucking audio, man. It drives me crazy because I hear it too. So, Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to take one for you then, Morocco, if you can't see these questions. Um, And this is from uh, TSAC uh, Basement Made 90 on Instagram. Um, I have a question. When heat treating, how stable does an oven need to be? My oven sometimes goes over the set temperature uh, by a couple of degrees. At what point is that a problem? I work mostly with ATCRV2 and AEBL. Uh, thanks, guys. Love the show. Uh, greets Timo from Holland. I, th- How stable does your oven that- need to be? If it goes over by a degree or two, are we good? <clears throat> yeah, I think... So if you're worried about the stability of the oven... Um, I mean, I guess even when you get up to temperature, even if it's kind of what people like to say is like equalized, but basically has had a a chance to sit at temperature for even 10, 15 minutes, um, it helps. It helps the oven kind of because usually when it's ramping up, it'll go maybe sometimes even 20 or 50 degrees past um but then it comes back down and and then it just kind of just is bouncing within maybe a 10 degree range um once once it's equalized and it's kind of leveled out i think you know that little bit of fluctuation really isn't going to be that big of a deal it's when you get into like if it was fluctuating 50 degrees or 100 degrees you're starting to get different results at that point um but just a few and like I said, mine mine usually fluctuates between maybe five degrees, positive or negative, once it's come to temperature and has evened out. 
work. So I, yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal, especially with uh, ADCRV2 and AEBL. Those are pretty user-friendly steels, generally speaking. And so they're not going to be as affected as some, uh, you know, other kind of crazier steels would be. And remember, that's the that temperature reading that you see, and that's the temperature from the thermocouple, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the the thing reading the temperature within the oven, not necessarily the mass of steel right. that you've got that in there. That is a good point to make. So, Because it also works the other way. So when you open the door and you see that temperature plummet really, really quickly, the steel isn't doing that because that, it's got that, that mass of that's core it. temperature. It's just the thermocouples yeah. that, are, that are cooling down very quickly. Hmm. That's a good um, point. So, yeah, so don't always, you know, worry too much about that think more about you know that big mass of red hot steel that's in the oven as opposed to just these two small copper contacts which are your your thermocouple and if you have an even heat kiln you can get replacement thermocouples if yours is like i knocked once i knocked one and it like obviously broke and <laughs> it was fucking going it just kept going and going and going oh, it was like it didn't stop at all so if you call up uh, even heat you can get a uh, new thermal couple. They, they're those guys are so fast and they're inexpensive and they're super duper easy to replace. It's just it's a couple yeah. screws, pull it out, put it, put the new one in, attach two more screws, put the you know wires in, and you're back in biz. Yeah, super cool. And okay, that's the show. There's one well, thing wait, left what? to talk about. You, oh, whoa. Okay, go for I it. Mean, I mean, I was gonna say if you have a if you if you're you have to have your kiln squared away if you're going to use damascus steel, right, Craig? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Particularly if you want to make the knife of the year, which is what Dharma steel are holding the competition for the uh, Dharma steel knife of the year. Um, you can imagine there's going to be some beautiful, beautiful knives there. So I'm going to put the link in the description here where you can you can vote on what you think is is the best knife that you, you, that you can see there. Um, but also, watch it on the website. Go take a look at their steels. So, dharmasteel.se. And if you use Knife Talk, you get 10% off your order. So, that's what you want to be doing. But, yeah, but go check out some of these knives. Voting for the knife of the year. The Dharma Steel Knife of the Year. 2021. Which is... I can't believe we're coming to an end of 2021 already. This year has flown by. It's crazy. So, we've got a, a special show coming up for uh, Christmas, New Year which is going to be our all-beef review, which we do... This is our third, maybe fourth year of doing this now. And we all know what we all know what the beefs are. Um, we used to do them regularly on the show. If you've got a beef, something that's irritating you, <laughs> let us know, and um, we'll read them out, and we'll do a whole show just of beefs. Should be a lot of fun. I think that's it. Do you think that's the show? Go yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. We shall speak to you all later. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. There we go. So that this is the daddy issue show, basically, isn't it, Jeff? Well, I mean, it was, <laughs> a lot of issues springing was, up in this show. I, I mean, noticed. Uh, I mean, there were. I mean, I'm, yeah, I try to be honest, and and I give up. You know, I give up the honesty, and that was it. Just just seemed to be. You know, I don't have anything to hide. So it's it's. There are legal <laughs> I mean, things I have to hide, like you know my you know not. I mean, not criminal things, but like stuff I have to like you know be wary of. But other than that, you know, I don't mind talking about. 
gets more and more intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's... More and more intriguing. We'll unpack this one day. It gets more and more intriguing every There's week. a few people who might need to, like, you know... Die first. It's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I mean, yes. This is fine. You know, at some point, we'll figure out. But, uh, you know, let's... It's, we, we don't want to sound like the rest of these maker podcasts that are just, like, everything is, you know... I clean my shop, and then I, I, I put some WD-40 on my table saw. It's just, it's, it's, we got to sound a little bit more. We have to make sure that these flea bags know how it is, you know. It was a good show. I, I enjoyed that one. It was good. So, let's just talk. I mean, I, I, I am sorry that I brought up the the audio thing, Craig, because I know that you're you're tired of it. So I'm not bringing it up again. What I think we should do is, we should do next week. We should do the all beef review. And then yeah. take a couple weeks off for Christmas and New Year's. What do you think about that? I'm up yeah, for that. I'm up for it yeah, too. yeah. Get yourself, yeah. get I'll your health squared away. You know. Yeah, I'll be honest. The last two, three weeks, the show has been a struggle right. for me, as sort of health-wise and just even just time-wise as well. So I think now things have calmed a bit. I'm getting better. I think having a bit of a break, I think would, um, yeah, clear me right up and. Uh, all guns blazing again, ready for the new I year. I think that's a good that, idea. Definitely. So what we'll do is we'll yeah. do the All Beef Review next week. Then we'll have Christmas and New Year's with our families. I will still do the Full Blast podcast. And then, um, you know, maybe if, Mareko, you want to hop on Instagram Live on Knife Talk or do something, we could we could do that once or once or twice for Christmas sure. or something like that. And then you know, just fuck around and come back to 2023, 2022, 2022 with, you know, strength, virility, and good audio. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, yes, yeah. And I'll be in my new studio then, too. Hopefully. Oh, good. Um, because that's being built as we speak. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah that'll be cool. That'll be really good. And get, get everything back out of storage. We can start strong for the new year. I'm a big fan of What do you have planned for the weekend, guys? Ooh, well, it's Saturday early evening for me now, so it's now, well, coming up to 5 p.m. Um, it's it's that time now where all the local villages, they all start doing their sort of Christmas markets and turning on the lights and all that kind of thing. So I was dragged to two this morning, <laughs> um, and there's another one this evening that we need to go to. They're all the same. They're all exactly the same, but... Uh, it's fun, you, you know. You you see friends there, and there's food trucks and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, what kind of food? Are, so, yes, that's. Pardon me. Sorry, sorry. I wanted to know what kind of food you 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 would see at a French Christmas market. Yeah, a lot of um, pâtés, um, chestnuts, um, um, beignets, you know, which are you know hot donuts, um, you know that kind of sort of. Market hmm. food, I suppose you know. Yeah, that's the standard. Um, nothing, nothing, nothing substantial. Yeah, you couldn't really go there for a meal. There's all sort of snacky stuff. Can you imagine the farts after pate and chestnuts? <laughs> Pat, pate and donuts. <laughs> pate, donuts, yeah. and chestnuts. You get out of the car, man. <laughs> get out. Don't just walk home. God, especially with my two little shit bags. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, and that's it. So that's Saturday. Uh, Sunday, um, we're all having a day in tomorrow and just completely relaxing because we've all got sort of ailments at the moment. Um, Amy's dad, who I alluded last week, um, that member of the family was, was had a mini stroke, was taken to oh. hospital, all the rest of it. Um, he's had surgery this week, um, and he's hopefully out um, this weekend, out of hospital. Um, 
so yeah, so that's so that's all good. So yeah, so we'll spend time with him, um, hopefully tomorrow, and then yeah, back to it on Monday, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, that's that's the weekend. Next weekend is the big one. So the town I've just moved from. Um, it's the big ceremony of turning on their Christmas lights and we're playing and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week, right. I'm sure. What are you up to, Mareko? Uh, today, so it's Saturday morning, early this morning, and we have we have plans to go check out Santa Claus today uh, as well as just kind of go out and do some family time adventures and maybe get some special – go go get a – special lunch or something like that and then uh this afternoon is the nutcracker my nieces and one of my nephews is in the nutcracker and we all got tickets like the whole family and we're gonna go watch at the local performing art performing arts center and that should be pretty fun and then i think i think tonight's a pizza night so i'm looking forward to that that's good yeah pizza well, my wife got tickets to see the New York Knicks tomorrow, a Sunday. So we're going to – the Knicks are not doing well. They were doing well in the beginning of the season. They are now below 500. They got more losses than wins, uh, and they're going to be playing the world champion Milwaukee Bucks. So we're looking forward to going to the city, the three of us, and uh, we're going to go to the Garden, the greatest stadium in the United States, and we're going to go watch the Knicks hopefully come back and win – a game against the Bucks. I'm looking forward to that. Did you just use a so. baseball terminology to describe how the basketball team was doing? What did I say? They they're below 500. Well, I mean they're not. I mean they're below 500. Is in like they're not batting a thousand. You know, right. Well, I mean they're you know <laughs> they're 12 losses and right. you know tw- oh, no, 14 losses and 12. Wins. I've just never heard anybody use 500. Is I've always heard that know. for baseball stuff. Not for uh, well, they're yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it is a baseball thing. I just know that they're you know they're not you know here come they're not more DMs. <laughs> but I did get uh, I did my wife got me all these Knicks stuff for the for my birthday and that was funny. So I have like you know sweaters and shirts and socks, very and flamboyant colors. It's great, Bright it's great. I, you purple. know what? I tell you what, I tell you what. Regardless of whatever you think about like the world going on. There's something about, for me, New York sports that have always been, like, this balm of, you know, everybody in that stadium, doesn't matter their political persuasion, it doesn't matter their feelings on this, and they're just, they're rooting for their team, and there is something about that to me that's very, like, um, it's very positive, so... You know, I'm looking forward to being a New Yorker with other New Yorkers and rooting for the Knicks. Do you ever so, get out to many nice. Rangers games? When I was a kid, I got a funny story. I got a funny story. My dad took my uncle. My uncle took me to uh, a Ranger and Ranger game when I was very young, and he had what was referred to as nosebleed seats. And in Madison Square <laughs> Garden, they take they take the the floor off. You know, so like the the the, the floor for the Knicks. Underneath it is the ice for the Rangers. So they have to take the whole floorboards off, and then underneath is the ice. So they, between the Ranger games and the Knicks games, they're constantly changing the floor. So it's either a basketball game or an ice skating rink. So my uncle took me to the blue seats, which is like the, I mean, the cheap, at the time, it was like the early 80s, so it was like the cheapest seats you could get. And the people up there are fucking animals. And um, (laughs) we were up against the glass. I mean, you could barely see. And I'm leaning up against the glass looking, and I overhear this person say, hey, you little wimp. 
Hey, you little wimp. If you don't get get off that glass, I'm going to throw you over the side. Is this your dad no, again? No, my uncle was there, and then I said, is, is he talking to me? And my uncle was just like, well, you know what? I, I don't think you should be up against the glass. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I want to go. I mean, we were high up. I was like <laughs> 10 or 11, and I was getting threatened by a man. A man that he's going to throw me over the side of a fucking, you know, the top of the fucking thing. So we're getting home, and my mother says, you're home early. The game's still, I'm watching the game on the, you know, we're well, home early. And I told her the story, and she's like, you know, I said, this guy said, you little wimp, you, if you don't get over, they're going to throw me over the, you're going to throw me over the side. And she goes, well, how do you know they were talking to you? And I said, because I was the only little wimp there. <laughs> That's a famous story. That's a famous fader story. So that was the last Ranger games I ever went to. And this time I'm going to go in there. I'm going to kick someone's ass. I'm going to fucking right. You're going to take it on some other some kid. Fucking ass. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm some old drunk. I'm going to say, let's fuck you. You. Yeah, I was, yeah, at the time I thought I was the only little wimp there. <laughs> nice, nice. So is it difficult to get tickets for next game? Um, my, You know, my wife got them early because, you know, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, when they're bad, no. But like, it's very. Uh. They're also the garden is very. You have to get there early because they check your card and then they you know wear a mask and then they check your vaccine status yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, she did a good job. And then I went a couple weeks ago with my high school friend and we had a blast. So I don't know. I don't think it's. It depends on how good they are or who they're playing. Like if they're playing like the Lakers, it's really hard to get the seats. Or if they were playing the Nets yeah. or, you know, like a really good team. But uh, you know, she got good tickets. I mean, she be paid for them. But we get better. We, she gets better prices on Yankee games, so she can get them through work. And it, that's. I just you know going to see a professional sports event in your city is the best. And it's like, yeah, you you don't remember all the problems going on sure. in the world. Do you, so does that mean you guys are going out for dinner? Well, no, it's a morning game. Oh, it's right. a more. It's like a midday. It's like a lunchtime game, which is great. So she had to find us something that we all could go. And my kid's turning seventeen on Monday too. So she's oh, my kid right now is trying to do all of her homework now, so she doesn't have to. And she just did her SATs. So she's trying to get everything done so she can have fun tomorrow. Um, so we're we're gonna it's we're gonna go early, get there. And then come back. We're not staying in the city because we get the dogs or yeah, get yeah. bananas if you just keep them too long in the house. Sure. Nice. Well, have a good time. Have little a good time, there. and we shall I'll speak. I'll be the only little wimp there. <laughs> the only wimp. <laughs> uh, we shall speak again next week for the All Beef Review. Cool. Right. Nice speaking to you guys. Speak soon. Bye. This show is brought to you by... The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.